are stories as told by us and may cause some triggers. Names are left out to protect privacy of all parties involved. We do not own the rights to any music in our podcast. And we are not responsible for any distress or damage caused by our podcast as that is not our intent. Hey, we're back. It's Danielle and Erica here. Just to recap of the uh, the last couple episodes, we talked about Erica's story. And during this episode, we're going to be talking about the differences on emotional and mental abuse and what exactly they are and go into mental and emotional abuse a little bit deeper. Yeah, just kind of talking and comparing. Um, I think a lot of people out there don't realize that this type of abuse is considered a type of domestic violence. Yes. Um, I think um, that it's something that should be talked about. So we're going to get into that. Awesome. So Danielle, I guess, um, is going to go over the difference between those two and I'm going to kind of step into. Yeah. Um, cause that is a question that I know a lot of people do have. What is the difference between emotional and mental abuse? Um, and the distinguishing factor between the two is actually the mental or psychological abuse has a stronger effect on a victim's mental capacity and the effects of what people might think while emotional abuse affects the way people feel. So mental abuse is meant to basically to undermine your self-esteem, make you feel worse about yourself. Um, It's also used as like a form of manipulation and control. Um, Mental abuse can also be described as acts that can cause someone to feel insulted, demeaned, or just wear down over time someone's self-esteem. I know this is a big one that's, that's happened to me. Um, The effects of mental abuse are just as detrimental as the effects of any kind of physical abuse. Yeah. And also, emotional abuse involves the non-physical behavior that belittles another person and include insults, put down, verbal threats, or other tactics uh, that can make a victim feel threatened, inferior, ashamed, or even degraded. And I think we did hear uh, those kind of things in Erica's story. Yeah, we I definitely touched on verbal threats, you know, the the anger and things like that. They could those things can be used as like a form of intimidation. Um, you can feel threatened. It kind of puts you in that fight or flight kind of response. And with Erica's story, I know um, we talked about, you know, red flags or a sign. Um, but some of the signs of mental and emotional abuse is the accusation and blame. Mm-hmm. The abuser always blames their problems on you and accuses you of doing everything wrong or doesn't accept any kind of responsibility for the consequences of their actions or words And it's constantly using you as a scapegoat. They also get very jealous and uses guilt to force you to do something that you may or may not want to do. And the abuser will also deflect or minimize any blame you try to place on them. Several things that we discussed in the last episode on Erica's journey was 
the jealousy factor and she was made to feel guilty. Um, he placed blame on her. Yeah. Especially during that story where I, I told you like where we would go out with friends, you know, I was always made to feel bad or guilty when I didn't act a certain way. Um, once we got there, you know, um, or if he didn't have a good time, it would be my fault because of that. So, um, that's kind of like a, a blame, the blame thing, the blame game. Yeah. Um, the abuser will also try to control some major things like where to live or where to work, but not only the major, but the small things such as what you should wear or what to eat, what you're allowed to, what you're allowed to do, who you're allowed to be friends with, what to even watch on TV. Any indication that they're just trying to control you in any way is a sign of abuse. Yeah, and with that comes, usually when they're using these kind of tactics on you, you tend to become kind of codependent. So we're going to touch a little bit on codependence. Um, the abuser will create a situation that makes you feel like you have no other choice but to be with them. Um, the abuser may also try to interfere with any of your relationships, personal and professional, um, that you may have friends, that you may, you may have friends or family who support you, um, and they just want to ensure that you rely on them for pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, the abuser will also constantly criticize you for everything you do, both big or small. I know, you know, you mentioned a couple things in your story about that even. Yeah. Uh, especially when I touched on the, the sassiness part, you know, at first they'll make you think that those things are so great, but then later they'll use that against you. Um, and turn it into, you know, you're, you're being a bitch or you have an attitude or, you know, it's embarrassing when you do X, Y, Z, that kind of stuff. Um, they'll make fun of how you look or what you're wearing. They may downplay or demean any accomplishments, um, either in your professional or your professional life. They will make whatever you do, basically, it's just never going to be good enough. And then with that, um, starts also coming the emotional neglect. Um, mm. The abuser will put their emotional needs ahead of yours. Always. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they will demand the respect and obedience while they're constantly disregarding or ignoring or invalidating yours. And that was something that you guys had well, oh. you experienced oh after you had your daughter, right? Yeah tons of emotional neglect going on there. I mean, like, like I said in my story where there'd be times where he would be gone for hours and then come back. And then I was expected to be, you know, catering to his needs and making him feel a certain way about finally being home, you right. know? So yeah, emotional neglect is, is a big thing. Um, humi humiliation. That was a tough word to say. The abuser will make fun of you. Um, he'll encourage others to laugh at you as well. Might even post like compromising pictures or post on social media. Um, I personally haven't had anything like that happen to me, but I've seen it be done before. And I've also been laughed at in front of others and, and peers for acting a certain way. Um, so I get that aspect of humiliation. Um that happened a lot when we separated too. I felt a lot of 
humiliation by the way I would react to things after, you know? Yeah. So now I think, you know, you should definitely go back and and listen to some of those things that we went over, but I think we now want to go into like maybe some tips to overcoming some of those things with the emotional and mental abuse. Um, one thing would be to kind of familiarize yourself with what constitutes as emotional abuse. So emotional abuse is a way to control a person's pattern or behavior, which may include criticism, manipulation, shaming, and bullying, right? So recognize the qualities of a healthy relationship. So some of those would be trust, communication, boundaries, respect. Um, and I definitely know that it was something that I touched with you on um, an, one of the first or second episodes. Um, it, we will end up going over the correct or the positive way of doing boundaries in a later episode. Um, but you and your partner can both deal with conflicts without threats or despair. You and your partner do not lash out upon receiving criticism. You and your partner can say no to a certain request. And you and your partner should openly express feelings and willingly to give and take. It's not just a one-way street. And you should always feel safe telling your partner what you are needing or how you are feeling. Yeah, or if something's just not okay. Yeah. You know? (laughs) It's not okay to do certain things. Right. Um, It's also important to recognize that the following behaviors are not okay in any way, shape, or form. So control. When one partner makes all the decisions and tells the other what to do, what to wear, who they should be spending time with, or if they come up with like unreasonable jealousy, um, if they try to isolate you from your friends or family, that's a huge, huge red flag. Um, Hostility. Um, sometimes a partner will pick a fight or antagonize you, um, dishonesty partner will lie, keeps info from you. They may even steal from you or hide things. Yeah. (laughs) I've had that happen. Um, let's see what else. Dependence partner feels like they can't live without you may even threaten to do something drastic such as kill themselves if the relationship ends. Here's another big one intimidation partner tries to control aspects of your life by making you fear or be timid they may threaten to harm you or a loved one and then there's always the physical violence aspect of it where the partner uses force to get their way um with that sometimes is sexual violence where a partner pressures or forces you into sexual activity that you may not want at that time Many victims find themselves making excuses for their partner's abusive actions. Yeah, they think, you know, I deserve, I I deserve this, I disobeyed, you know. That is one of the ones that I hear the most from survivors is they really think, like, they deserved it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they'll think, oh, I I had it coming. Mm -hmm. Or... I can't leave because I love him. Mm -hmm. Understand abuse is a cycle. Abuse can be perpetuated (laughs) 
That's a big word too. Um, but over and over again consists of four phrases. It's the tension or the buildup, the incident, which mm-hmm. is the explosion. <laughs> and then the apology. Reconciliation. Which then after that apology comes, of course, everything's going to be calm and it's going to go back to the honeymoon stage. All problems are forgotten about. Everything's just going to seem wonderful again. So basically what we're saying is those those cycles can happen over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I like to call Literally. I like to call that the roller coaster. Yes, that's a good term for it. Yeah. Like you're on a constant roller coaster and then you get off and you get a little break and you like take a vacation and then <laughs> you're right back on the roller coaster again. Yes. That's something that you definitely did for 11 years. Yeah. Always, if you are noticing, um, you know, all of this, and then during that vacation or break with that person, when you're trying to actually get out of that relationship, because there are times that it takes a woman 10 times or I shouldn't. Or 10 say, years. Yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't just say woman because men. Men, men men can be in abusive relationships as well um, and not even realize it. But it generally takes 10 attempts for a person to leave an abusive relationship before they successfully get out. Or if it's physical, they actually pass away. Yeah, 10 or more, you should say. Yeah. <laughs> but 10 is a big number. It is. Yeah. And it's scary to think about. Yeah. Definitely scary to think about. Um, it's it's also important that even if you feel like always trust your intuition, that's something that I wish I wouldn't have ignored. Um, and then you don't push people away. Like as much as you think that you need to or that someone's not going to believe you like you should definitely reach out to as many family and friends as you can Um, build up a support group it gives you an outlet you need to try to be around company of the people that you know that you enjoy it helps with loneliness isolation self-destruction those are also cycles too I have to say when you're going through your healing process um, you'll go through a roller coaster of loneliness, isolation, and self-destruction. Oh yeah, um, it's definitely a cycle for a while on your on your journey. Um, probably because you're already used to those cycles of abuse, so it only makes sense that you would go through similar cycles when you're kind of coming down from that high that is the abusive relationship because it it is kind of like a high and like. It's almost like you're withdrawing yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's why if you don't build up that support group, mm-hmm. that's why people end up back with their partner because of that dependency Yeah, of that. Um, always reach out uh, to seek guidance of a professional. Once again, I know we talk about the National Domestic Violence Hotline a lot. But please call them at 800-799-7233. And if you don't feel comfortable calling them, you can also text them at 741-741. 
always stand up for yourself as well. Um, start by pointing out what kind of behaviors you don't think are appropriate and set boundaries, such as I won't tolerate personal attacks. I'm not okay with you calling me those names. When you are willing to stand up for yourself, you take that power back from them. The dynamic of the relationship will change. It should change anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because you're standing up for yourself. Yeah. And that's something that they were not used to. No, no. Um, and I know it's going it's to be hard to do, too, because they've taken your self-esteem down so far. But if you can muster any bit of confidence in there, you just when you're standing up for yourself, be confident. You have the upper hand knowing that their behavior is very inappropriate. Um, you need to always maintain contact, keep an even tone of voice, and, you know, just set those boundaries. Yeah. Um, if you act confident in the face of their emotional abuse and keep your cool, it'll be harder for them to stand up to you. Um, and just know that their behavior is not okay. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's their behavior. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with standing up for yourself either. And, and I know it, it's going to be hard because you're probably used to like calling out their behavior and them getting upset, but you know, that's why you just have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare yourself for any confrontations with reasons why their actions and words are not okay. Um, let them know what constitutes as a healthy relationship. Let them know their words don't fall in line with a respectful relationship. Um, and by saying all those things and looking them in the eye and keeping an even tone to your voice, it, it really is gonna, you know, show them that, that basically you're done and, and you're going to stand up for yourself. Let them know that their comments are hurtful and that they're not welcomed. Importantly, remind them that people who love or care for each other, they do not go out of their way to hurt one another. Like if someone really, truly cares for you, they're not going to go out of their way to do something like that to you. They're just not. And if you're not, if, if they're not willing to live up to those standards, then you need to be prepared to leave. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the biggest things I think all survivors um, have issues with is knowing it's not their fault. Um, so definitely know, once again, it's not your fault. If you end your relationship, cut all ties with your past abuser. You may still be harboring feelings of wanting wanting to return to them. Um, and some examples of that that may cross your mind, did I make a mistake? What if there isn't anyone else for me? Or what if I don't deserve any better? And those kind of thoughts are normal in those situations. I know I had a lot of those thoughts mm -hmm. and I felt guilty. Yeah. Um, and I, yes. every day, like, Literally, I have a full-length mirror, and when I get with, with Get Ready, I had on there, it's not your fault. You know what I did? What? I changed the person's um, name in my phone to You Deserve Better, 
So every single time my phone rang or I got a text message, like that was the first thing I read is you deserve better. And I had to literally keep putting that in my mind like over and over and over again because you do yearn to go back. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, it's really fucked up. It's yeah. it's really fucked up how much you miss that. Yeah. You know, especially in the, in the beginning when you're first getting away from it all. Like I said earlier, it's kind of like withdrawing in, in a sense because you, you get your body gets so used to it that when you don't have it, it, it kind of freaks out a little bit. Yeah. You know, and just some advice too is like let someone take your phone like I wish somebody would have took my phone away yeah like I really do and or monitored me I mean I know that sounds a little silly because you think oh you know someone monitoring you but you need to stay off all social media like if you're really trying to get away you need to change your number if you have to shut your phone off um, take a little break from social media, deactivate your account for a little bit. It's time, you know, you got to focus on you. And I know you would think that like your phone phones these days are like what distracts people, but it can also make your situation 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I know without a doubt that it did me. And the only time I was really able to start my healing journey was when I did get rid of all social media. I took a full one year break from it completely that is awesome like completely everything and then yeah I isolate it but then that's when you also figure out like who's really there for you yeah you know because if they wanted to see you and they cared about you they would come see you oh yeah or or find you check on you Mm -hmm. and stuff um and this is where a lot of people do a lot of self-destructive um behaviors as well and um, I know I definitely, one thing with, you know, the getting rid of everything that had to do with him, I see, instead of me taking a break from social media, I blocked his profile. Yeah. Um, the only, I still have my ex blocked. Yeah, he's still blocked. Still. And we're great now. I, I still find <laughs> that amazing. I, I do. But I that, find that amazing. That, that's, that's for later. But yeah, I still have him blocked. Yeah, it's not necessary. I um would the only thing that I wish that somebody would have been able to be there for me on is Snapchat. And I don't know if he ever saw them or anything after he did get out of prison. Um but I would write him on Snapchat when I was going through that mental stage of wait, but like, I really did love him. I I don't, I'll, I'll just wait for him to get out of prison. And I would write him that kind of stuff. Like, I love you. And I just want you to get help. And I want to be with you. I'm so sorry. And once again, was apologizing and had that guilt. And then it literally hit me hard one day. Like, it was like, wait a second. That wasn't love. Mm-mm. Like, what are you doing? No. Girl, I get that, though, because I begged. Like, I don't even like to admit this to people. But now, like, now that I'm so healed, like, I am i don't care. I will share just so no one else. So someone else, I should say, um, doesn't feel so stupid. 
Um, I got on my knees and I begged. Yeah. Like for him to stay. When he was ready to leave, I'm like, please don't leave me. Like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like, and later I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. But see, in all reality. Like you, I was begging for more. Like what? Right. But that's normal because it does something to you mentally and emotionally that is undescribable. It is, you've said it. It is literally like a high mm-hmm. and it's just the same as people not liking, for instance, heroin and, but they wake up the next day and they're begging for it <gasps> because they need it. They want it. They feel the need of having to have it. They cannot think clearly. Like your mindset is in a totally different way than. Definitely. A normal it's definitely not a normal brain no no um so if those thoughts are definitely normal just to let you guys know um once again emotional abuse is a disorder of the abuser not the victim and i don't like the word victim i hate the word victim yes um we are not trying to be victims here by the way right but unfortunately, you are a victim in that situation until you're not into that situation anymore. The healing process. Correct. Um, you you survived. You got so, out of it. Yes. Yep. Um, but definitely, it's not it's not you, and you cannot blame yourself. Um, find things that make you happy. Uh, occupy your time with some of your favorite activities. Rekindle relationships you neglected while being with your abuser or even take up a new hobby. Um, I know for me, I decided that I was full force in the gym. Like I loved going into the gym. I would get up in the morning. I would work out, uh, go to work, work out after work. If it was the weekend and I didn't have work or during the week, it just kind of depends where I was at at that stage. But I was in the gym. See, I went another route. I wish I would have did the gym, but instead I just completely went in at work and was like work focused a hundred percent, like raising my daughter and then work, 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 work. Like that's all, that's all that kept my mind off of it was just working and building up my money. I mean, (laughs) so that's where I took it. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it is healthy, but at the same time, Danielle is right. I mean, it took me a long time to, because you kind of forget who you are, right? So mm. you don't even know what you like anymore. It's taken me six, seven years to even figure out what do I even like to do anymore? Like, what are my hobbies? What should I do for myself? You know, so I went into the work phase and I'm just now getting to the point where I'm trying to figure out like what does make me happy. And for everyone, that's going to be different. You might not though these things Danielle are talking about might not help you right away. It might take you some time. Oh yeah. To figure that out. Oh yeah. But if you, if you do find something like Danielle find the, found the gym, you know, and that was her safe, her safe haven and a way to get those feelings and emotions out then. Hell yeah, girl do it. I mean, before that there was unhealthy ways. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I will get into that when I get into more of my story. But, yeah, there was definitely unhealthy habits that I would do. Um, 
up until I, I was just like, who are you? What are you doing? Um, you actually said something, and it was a good point. And my mind kind of just went blank on it. <laughs> Sorry. Does it have anything to do with, like, maybe how everyone finds things that's going to help them at, in their own time? Yeah. It, you it, you got to figure out what is going to work for you because, I, I mean, I know – People, things work differently for people. Mm -hmm. I also felt like I was so alone, like <sighs> so alone. And I was also embarrassed. So like I didn't want to be around anybody that associated with, with that him. person. Yeah. 100% understand that. So like, and then I was also, I got tired. <laughs> I got so sick and tired. Like people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's like, don't say sorry to me. You didn't do it. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, you guys aren't helping. So there were certain places that I wouldn't even want to go to. Yeah, because I'm sure it was probably almost like every time somebody saw you for a while, that's all they wanted to address, right? Like, oh, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Not like, oh, how how are you and what are you doing now? Like, right. Yeah. You know, like constantly throwing it in your face like when you're going out trying to do something to forget about it yeah. yet you're being reminded by every single person you encounter yeah I'm I'm year so many years later I still get people I will be eating dinner and somewhere and they, they will recognize you? me and they will approach me and sit there and say oh you you look amazing I'm so proud of you or whatever and still like girl I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that kind of stuff um and now I'm at the mindset of I call it that girl because I I can't believe that I became that girl right but and I'm sure you don't need, you couldn't ever see yourself like that um for those that don't know erica and i we grew up together like we were friends yeah um and nobody that we went to school with would ever imagine that us becoming that girl no i mean both very well i think we were both very confident like loving charismatic people ourselves you know with pretty high pretty high confidence and I was someone who didn't take any shit from anybody. No. Like that will, at least that's the facade um, that I put. Cause yeah, you know, I'd always put off, you know, don't mess with me. I got, I'll tell you about it. You know? So the fact that I dealt with someone who talked to me like that and like actually begged for him to stay still is kind of a little unbelievable to myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those those are some of the things um, to tell you the difference between emotional and mental abuse. I think since Danielle and I um, have talked about this, I think that our, our next episode would be a good time to introduce Danielle's story um, and give you a little insight into what she's endured and how her story is unfolding. Yeah, um, and in that story, it'll talk more on the physical abuse aspect as well as some sexual abuse. So um, we'll definitely be touching on that on the next episode. 
So if you or if you know someone who is struggling or is in a domestic violence situation, please reach out to the Domestic Violence Hotline, 800-799-7233, or you can also send a text message to 741-741. Also, there are some resources. You can reach out to the Protected Battered Women RC on Facebook. Keep in mind, if you're having suicidal thoughts or you know someone that is, there is also a suicide hotline. That number is 800-273-8255. I'm a 